on May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. Visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me talking the game, Michigan, Ohio State, both undefeated, both in the top three. Feels like it happens more now because it happened last year and in 2016, but but a rare game where both teams enter this matchup with true national title aspirations or implications in this matchup. Certainly should be a very fun atmosphere down in Columbus. Myself and Alejandro will be down there providing coverage over to michiganinsider.com, michigan247sports.com, and and really the whole team. It's all hands on deck this week, providing preview coverage, talking about the implications of this game, things to watch for. And so this podcast, we're going to look at keys for the offense, keys for the defense, a little bit of a couple prop bet predictions here and there, and then our overall score predictions for the game. Steve, I'll let you get started. Offensively, we don't know... Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards status. I think an educated guess is that it won't just be CJ Stokes, but you don't know who's healthy or how healthy they are, even if they do play. What's the biggest key for Michigan's offense in this matchup? Uh, it, I I think it's got to be the health of those guys. I, I think, I mean, uh, you know, going to beat a dead horse here, but you know, running the football has always been key in this game. I, uh, you know, no disrespect to CJ Stokes, but I don't think he provides Michigan with nearly the potential production there that either Corum uh, and or Edwards do. So uh, I think for Michigan to go on the road in particular and and win this game, I think it's it's paramount that they get something uh, from one or both of Corum and Edwards. I mean, I I have a hard time talking myself into Michigan winning this game if those guys aren't consistently contributing throughout four quarters. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's pretty simple in that regard. I think they need one or both of those guys to to be ready to go, you know, and they, yeah, I think we're definitely going to see CJ Stokes. I don't think there's any doubt about that, but you know, if he's the, if, at, if at the end of four quarters, uh, he's the guy with the most carries for Michigan, uh, either he had a major breakout game or Michigan, I, in my opinion, would, would, would have lost. So, uh, yeah, I think that, I think it's pretty cut and dry. What's key for them offensively. I think the other thing too, though, is well, getting back to like, uh, sort of health is I think having potentially having Luke Schoonmaker back in lineup will be huge for Michigan too. It's that potential intermediate passing safety valve stuff that, you know, he, he became, Super, super reliable after Eric All initially went down. 
Colson Loveland is getting there and he's getting there really, really quickly. But I think having Schoonmaker back always, you know, we know how much Michigan likes to use the tight end. So, so having as many options at that position as you can have, you know, it would, would be a huge help for Michigan uh, in this one. Yeah. The line is sometimes the best ability is availability. And I think that's, that's true. I mean, I think that's a very fair way to look at things. I do think no matter how healthy they are at running back, this has to be a game where Michigan pushes the ball through the air more than they have in weeks, maybe even months. Because Ohio State, they've to their credit, I think they've improved a lot at linebacker. I you know, getting downhill, stopping runs. I think their edge rushers are are not just pass rushing specialists like maybe they kind of were last season. Uh, you know, they're guys who can really you know, set the edge, shed blocks, make tackles in the run game. And I think on the inside, I think they've got some some legit run stoppers. Where I think Ohio State's defense gets a little bit more questionable is that cornerback. I, I don't think that they have, I don't know necessarily, but I don't think any of their cornerbacks are of the all Big Ten. I don't think NFL scouts are, not this year at least, kind of keeping an eye on on some of those defensive backs and saying, oh, that, that might be a first rounder. You know, for a, for a long time, they seemed like every year had two cornerbacks or two safeties or two defensive backs in total that would go in the top 50 in the draft the very next year. I don't know that this group is is quite that good. And I think the two teams who have, quote unquote, given Ohio State a scare, Maryland, Penn State, they both threw for more than 300 yards. You know, Wisconsin is a team that had success running the ball against Ohio State, 192 yards, two touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry, but they weren't in that game. I think if you actually want to string together three, four, maybe even five scoring drives against Ohio State, which I think you kind of have to to have a chance of beating them, I think a lot of it has to be done through the air, no matter how healthy you are at running back. And obviously, if they're not, if Michigan's not fully healthy at running back, that's even more important. And I I kind of mentioned it in the podcast on on Sunday. You want to take every open pass you can get, but it does feel like if Michigan's trying to maximize what they can do throwing the ball, feel like it has to be a little bit more of a short-range passing game. I mean, the completion percentage simply has not been there for Michigan on passes 20 yards or more downfield. And really, since the bye week or since I guess the fall got cold is maybe how I'd put it really the last four or five weeks hasn't been there on passes 10 yards or more downfield. I don't think you want to completely abandon that part of the game, but I think if you're, if you're in a situation where you might not have everything you normally have from the running back room, I think this is a game where you are going to have to pick up some of those small gains or or medium gains I guess in the passing game it doesn't have to be a 15 yard gain every time you throw the ball it can be seven yards here four yards there eight yards here I I think that that's that's really important not just for Michigan to have a balanced offense keep Ohio State's defense guessing but also to attack Ohio State where they're the most susceptible yeah I do the by the numbers thing every week last year I remember pointing out in that story, Ohio State is not as good as they should be stopping the run. This year, I did not come to that same conclusion. 
I do think they're untested, but I don't know that it's going to be like last year where they can get exposed in a major, major way, stopping the run. If they get exposed on Saturday, it's probably going to be through the air. So, Steve, are, I, are I, you adv- are you advocating for a pass to set up the run play 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 uh, game plan for Michigan? Maybe. I mean, you got to throw it more than you've been throwing it. Guess it also, it, you know, it does all go back to the healthier running backs, but yeah. it may make life a little bit easier for them if you can, uh, you know. And the the one other thing too, to that point about through the the stuff through the air. And I don't know if we really talked much about this this year, but you know, it felt like last year with with McNamara, it did feel like he played better. And I don't know, not all quarterbacks are like this. Maybe McCarthy's not, but you know, there's that idea of getting the guy into the into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. Michigan has not really designed a game plan, in my opinion, so far that really works McCarthy into a rhythm. It is it's run, run, run. Then you start to kind of mix in some passes. You know, there's there's never it, it's never really felt like, you know, that they've really made a concerted effort to potentially get him into that quote rhythm early on. So, you know, yeah, maybe this would be the game to do it because it would help open things up. You know, and you gotta think Ohio State's expecting run heavy. I mean that if you're Ohio State, I, I you know you'll want that. Yeah. You don't maybe you'll maybe don't want that eighth guy in the box, but you want that eighth guy eyeing the box. So uh, even with their if the, if they're not you know if their corners haven't been as good this year as they normally. I mean normally corners one of their strengths, uh, but yeah, I mean it's just could be could be a situation where we maybe do see a little bit of. Uh, pass to set up the run. I'm still convinced. I do think they take a deep shot early and try to, I don't know, make a big splash. Maybe not, not, yeah. maybe, not maybe not in the first drive, but but I think very early in the game, I think they're going to try to take a deep shot off play action. So, yeah, well, the play action is another thing that that I think if Michigan wants to win, I think they have to show that more. I know, it, I know, it loses a little bit of its effect if you don't have a fully healthy Blake Horn or don't have a fully healthy. Donovan Edwards out there, but I I think Michigan's been money on play action all year. And I personally think Michigan could have scored 50, 60 more points over the last 11 games just by doing more play action. And they never had a need to, really. I mean, Illinois was really the only time, and that obviously was was not really a time for play action. But I, I think... I think ultimately it's it's probably the most unlocked potential in Michigan's offense. The other thing I was thinking about, and I think it, they might have to go into this by default, is that you know if JJ McCarthy really runs a four five or a four six, and we've seen him as a ball carrier, I, I, that that number would not stun me. I feel like this is a game where where he can make he can make up for a lack of full strength in Michigan's running backs room by being involved carrying the ball a little bit more. You don't want to go crazy with it because if you thought the running back room became inexperienced in a hurry, I think the quarterback room is even more so the case. So, you know, you don't want McCarthy running constantly. I, I think 20 carries might be too many, but I think there are opportunities to pick up first downs, pick up some some chunk yardage here and there with some well-designed option plays for McCarthy to keep the ball and move what down. What about field. what about AJ Henning, too? If he's, you know, yeah, he, made a, he's he, he scored against Ohio State last year. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, think I, 
do we say Michigan does have a couple, I don't want to like they say, say like safeguards in place to maybe to be able to ease the pressure off of Corum and or Edwards, you know, I, cause you know, I, I'd be shocked if one or both don't at least give it a try. I mean, the yeah, fact, I think the, we would have heard that by now, right? The fact that Corum came out and even ran the ball in the second half to me means there's got to be a chance that well that he's and, and able to make a go of it. You know, I hate speculating on injuries, so I'm going to keep it brief. But sure, he wasn't in a brace. He wasn't in a boot. Literally, the very next day, walking around when he was giving out turkeys and milk to to families in need in Ypsilanti. So, yeah, you never know. I, I'm not no. not a promise, but I tend to think if it was a knee injury that would be five, six weeks, there would have been some something put in place where, to aid his his mobility the day after the injury happened. Yeah, I agree. So, again, I hate I hate that because then people say, "Well, you said this." No, we're I, not, I, we're not saying he's going to play or not. I, I all yeah. of it, for me, it's just I'd be surprised, and I, that's not a. It's not based on fact. It's sort of intuition. And let's not and, be surprised if he played less than 30 snaps that's right just surprised right. that he wouldn't give it a go or try yes, exactly so, um i do think the game plan will be different because of the injuries like i don't think michigan's going in like ah there's nothing this is all smoke clearly michigan has endured a dent in its running game i think the question just is yeah how how healthy will they be versus uh you know what they what they are at full steam Steve, anything else you want to see or keys for Michigan's offense? I, you know, not really. I mean, you know, this it does. This comes down to the trenches. You know, you got to be mindful of uh, Tui, Tui JTT. I just call him JTT. Um, got to be mindful of him. I like. I, I think I wrote the other day. He's better individually than any player Ohio State had defensively last year. Uh, I mean, he's. You could argue he single handedly won the Penn State game for them. I mean, if not for like two or three huge plays that he made in the second half and in the, particularly in the fourth quarter, that game could have turned out a little bit differently. So, you know, he's, he's a beast. Uh, Zach Harrison feels like he can be at times and, and isn't at other times, you know? So, I mean, if, if both those guys are playing at a high level, you know, Michigan's tackles are going to, uh, in their tight ends, I, I assume we'll have their handful. So, uh, you know, I think I think neutralizing those guys, and uh, that's another reason why I think I do think running McCarthy in this game makes a little bit of sense. You know, because I think that push and pull, forcing those guys to not just pin their ears back and and you know hit the edge on every play, you know, making them have to account for what McCarthy's going to do a little bit may may actually relieve them when it comes time to throw the ball. So, you know, that's another thing I think maybe, you know, lends itself to, and I think we've all expected to see a little more McCarthy on Saturday running the football, you know, but I think that's even another reason why, because uh, these are probably the, it's probably the best pair of edges Michigan has faced all. I mean, no, it, it is. There's, it's not probably, it is the best pair of edges uh, that Michigan has faced all season. I I can agree with that. Oh, Iowa's got, I mean, Van Ness is pretty darn good, but in terms of a true, snap to snap challenge the length the athleticism and i think just the general play of jtt and zach harrison and jack sawyer too i think are are pretty notable on on that note i think the one other thing i would say and it might end up being one of my keys in my my four keys in a pick story 
I do think this game is going to be decided at least somewhat by which team runs out of gas in the trenches sooner. I, I don't know that Michigan has the on paper advantage in this matchup in the trenches, but I do think both of these teams are not used to playing four quarters. So I do think there's a lot of opportunity for Michigan. If they kind of like last year, right? It was, it was close. It was tense. It was really back and forth. And then Michigan started to just mow Ohio state down. And we've seen in previous years, I think 2019, 2017 and 2015 kind of really jump out as years where Ohio state didn't torch Michigan from the jump but wore them out over the course of 60 minutes. So I, I think that's always just a huge key in this game because I think for most of the season, these teams kind of get to take their foot off the gas a little bit midway through the third quarter in the fourth quarter. Both of them got tested in this last week, I suppose. But if you look at their schedules beforehand, I mean, this is this is going to be the most physical fourth quarter these players have played all season, I would think. So I think that's another one. All right, let's get to these prop bets to close out our discussion on the offense. This one, I think it's it's um, it's tough to tell. I mean, we're just kind of taking a shot in the dark here. Michigan running backs have 39.5 more rushing yards than Ohio State running backs. Ohio State, we'll talk about it in the other side of this commercial, but they also have Travion Henderson does not look fully healthy. Mayan Williams hasn't played in a couple weeks. Um, Dallin Hayden looks pretty good. But Michigan running backs, 39.5 more rushing yards than Ohio State running backs. Steve, I think I'm taking the under on this one. Again, we're not we're not hiding. It's not like we know and we're just not showing our hand. I mean, there, there's, there's true ambiguity. I, I don't even know if Michigan fully knows who's suiting up for them and how healthy they'll feel Saturday morning. But I'm kind of taking the under. I, I, I'm with you. I ended up watching the Ohio State-Maryland game. He that, Dallin Hayden looks pretty impressive. Um, I don't think that he's, you know, Michigan or Ohio State's next first round draft pick running back, but he gets the job done. Seems like he has strength and can be slippery at times. So I'm taking Ohio State or not Ohio State to have more, but Michigan running backs 39.5 more rushing yards than Ohio State. I am taking the under on that one. How about you? Uh, I took the over. I, yeah, it's a risky over but Michigan's just commitment to running the football is is kind of where I'm leaning with this one and um nobody's fully slowed them down yet you know you could argue Illinois I mean Illinois only did after Corum went out I mean how many yards Corum had over 100 yards right in the first half on Saturday um I don't know yeah, I think, I think in pe- terms of run defense I think Indiana held them to 161 but that was that was it you know yeah I agree I agree that I I just assume Ohio State is better equipped to slow down the run this year, but I but I totally agree that and, and it's not no it's no fault of theirs necessarily, but they just I don't think they've seen you know what Michigan kind of brings to the table. So um yeah, leaning half or I'll say a leaning sixty percent on Michigan's just devotion and, and commitments running the football and forty percent on kind of what I said earlier is that I think uh, Corum and or Edwards will both uh, try to give it a go and possibly be effective. So I'll say over, not necessarily by much though. This is one, cause I'm with you all the way. Uh, it, just based on the, I've watched a lot of Ohio state this year. And I mean, I would, if I'm Ohio state, 
it's to me, it's a little bit different than the the situation Michigan faces with Stokes versus compromised Corum and Edwards. If I'm Ohio State and and Henderson and Williams aren't a full go, then Dallin Hayden's the guy that I'd be giving the football to. I mean, he looks like a guy that can carry the load and, and be effective for them. And I, I wrote earlier this week, I think there is a little bit, it's a little bit of a steeper drop off for Michigan from Corman Edwards to Stokes than it is from Henderson and, and Williams to, to Hayden. So, you know, a little more pressure on Michigan's backs, I think, to, to be ready. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Next one, 12.5 passing attempts of 10 yards or more downfield. So I'm assuming this is a, a air yards stat. So the PF pro football focus tracks these 12.5 attempts greater than 10 yards for JJ McCarthy. I am taking the under, I think he is averaging about eight per game this season. Granted, those have been a lot of games that aren't that close. I, it just, that just feels like a high number 13. I mean, there were games where it seemed like he didn't even attempt 13 passes, let alone true ones downfield. But this is an area where, where Ohio state is susceptible. I think Penn state and Maryland had pretty good success in that, in that realm. So 12.5 pass attempts of 10 yards or more downfield for JJ McCarthy. Steve, what do you say? Yeah, I said, I said under, um, yeah, there might be more of an emphasis on it, but that's a, that's definitely a, I'll believe it when I see it type number. I, I think it's possible, but not one I would put, you know, any money on or any stock on in that one. So under until we see it. Okay, last one, 69.5 receiving yards from all Michigan tight ends. I think Michigan has to like its chances of winning if the over hits on this. I don't know. That's right in the the wheelhouse. I'd probably guess like a 50 or 60. So so I'm going to take the under. I do think that this will be a pretty significant sign of, of one, did Michigan have the right game plan against Ohio State? And two, did that game plan work? I mean, Michigan's passing game, has not been efficient the past few weeks. And I do think a, a lack of tight end utilization is at least a part of why. I think, you know, if everyone talks about the the receivers dropping passes or, or not creating enough separation, felt like early in the season, tight ends were constantly open against the, or the, for the Wolverines. And, and that was a very good way for Michigan to produce throwing the ball at a high percentage clip without necessarily having it to be a difficult play. So I think this is a, if Michigan, if the over hits on this, I think that's a good sign for Michigan, but I'm taking the under just feels like a high number to predict not knowing Luke Schoonmaker's health and also not knowing what kind of approach Michigan's going to take throwing the ball. So I took the over on this one. Uh, I think it's, I think it's going to be a heavy dose of tight end uh, because Michigan's going to want to show that, that it looks like they're going to be running the football, you know? So I think it could be a situation where we see a, a healthy amount of the play action, maybe end up in the tight ends hands. It's clear now Michigan. And actually, and I, I don't know if they even, do they track targets? Cause, cause I can get I, you some target numbers. if you Cause I'd have to think that Colson Loveland led Michigan in targets against Illinois on Saturday. It, it was Ronnie like, Bell. He had eight. Was it? Loveland had six. Okay. All right. Well, there were, yeah. Um, but it's clear that McCarthy's very comfortable throwing him the football also. So, you know, I, I think we, yeah, we could see a situation between, because I suspect Schoonmaker is, is going to play. I, that's one of, of the guys that are 
have been banged up a little bit. I, I think he's one that they've basically, I think it feels like it's been more precautionary than it has like a serious situation. Uh, so between him and Loveland, I think they can get there. And uh, I, I am predicting that they will. Okay, we're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about defensive keys and our final prediction for this game. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. It's the NFL offseason, but on pick six, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, pick six has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. Steve, I, I just did the scouting report for Ohio State, you know, where I was kind of breaking down the, the offensive numbers, the personnel. I think this offense is a lot less jaw dropping than it was last season. You know, the, I think that Ohio State's defense has improved a lot. I still think Ohio State's offense is fantastic, but the numbers are not like it's not like they're they're like five deep on elusive, amazing wide receivers who will torch any defense in the country. Uh, they're throwing for fewer yards. I mean, I think I think I I added it up that they've only thrown for 300 yards against three power five teams this year. Last year at this point, it was eight. And the passer efficiency is is down a little bit as well, at least against power five opponents. So what's the biggest key for you for this Michigan defense in this contest? I I think the the big one, obviously, is getting pressure on C.J. Stroud. Is that the one you're sticking with, or, or do you see something else in this Ohio State offense that Michigan's defense needs to capitalize on? It's I. It's still slow down the run. I just it just makes such a difference in this game. Now, granted, you know I, I mentioned Stroud threw for almost 400 yards last year. No two touchdowns, no interceptions, no turnovers, but on 49 attempts. I mean, that's only what almost eight yards an attempt. That's that's not what Ohio State I think is is used to. So while the statistics were solid. It were not they weren't bad. It wasn't like an elite game necessarily, you know. And and it's just, I just think to cut the head off the dragon for that offense, I, I think it comes down to slowing down the running game because once they once they get once they can exploit you in the middle and run the football, it's just it, it's history. It's just always open things up uh, for their for their skill position guys on the outside. And like Stroud really reminds me a lot of of Dwayne Haskins as, as a, a guy doesn't run the ball much, you know, not really a threat to run is terrible under pressure, but will absolutely pick you apart. Um, if given the time. So yes, getting pressure on Stroud 
would could change the game. You know, and I think I think one difference this year because Michigan did get a decent amount. They got decent amount of pressure on him last year. You know, Hutchinson had the three sacks. Ojabo had the big one, obviously. Uh, but you know, I think getting a turnover out of that, at least one, I think is is pretty important as far you know in a road game like this. So you know. It's kind of a combo. My thought is is that if they if Ohio State runs the ball successfully, it's going to make it a lot harder for Michigan to put pressure on Stroud. So, um, you know, and, and I think, I mean, I guess I'm kind of talking myself into the pressure part maybe being more important because the one game between these two teams where Ohio State didn't really have to run the ball super successfully was 18 when Haskins had, what, six touchdown passes, I think. Uh, so, you know. It, it it's to me it's just a combo of that I, I just think whatever Michigan can do this to slow down the run game you rely on your front seven that way you you can limit the big play uh you know we one thing we know Michigan's an excellent tackling team uh, or they have been all year so give your defensive backs an opportunity to wrap up quickly after Stroud you know completes a pass or, or you know just just keep everything underneath and, and they're gonna have a much better chance of doing that if they're not having to bite on Ohio state running the football. Yeah. I, I think pressure is important. I, the one thing about pressure though, is I, I don't think from what we've seen from Michigan and I think Ohio state's pass protection is better this season than it was last season too. I don't know that you can just say pressure shroud 40% of the time. Like, I just don't know if that's realistic. I think, I think that might be more of a take advantage when you do provide pressure and forcing completions, get a sack, over I'm kind of with you I think you know Ohio State according to the stats I saw they've only allowed seven sacks all season so it's not like you can sit here and expect Michigan to get four again or something like that so I think if you're thinking about what Michigan's good at and what the opportunities are this season I think it is stopping the run I think it's forcing second and eight instead of second and four third and nine instead of third and three I think you know stopping the run when you can I think they have to be t- better at tackling in the run than they were last week. Last week, they had eight missed tackles in the run. You know, we talk about, I do think they are possibly the best tackling team in the country, but I, I think it did not show last week. And I do think Ohio State's running backs, again, don't know what the carry distribution is going to be, but they don't go down easily. You know, I don't think this is a group that that isn't going to break some tackles. So, So I think it's very important that Michigan not only brings down the run game, but does so on the first try. I, I also think this is a, a run game that strikes to me as able to get around the corner if needed. So I think setting and maintaining the edge, uh, and I think just like keeping keeping the, the running backs kind of in front of the defensive structure, I suppose. you know, If, if it's a five-yard gain, fine, but it should be within the construct of the defense like junior colson's got to be there to stop him at the five yards downfield it can't be i think once there's a jailbreak i do think this is an ohio state run game that can can make things happen in the open field so i think that's something that's a big key i think the other key that something i want to ask you about is is ohio state's wide receivers assuming jackson smith and jigba doesn't play don't know what's going on there only has eight targets all year, only has three catches all year. So, so not really sure what that situation is, but they still lost Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, 
they're still very talented at wide receiver. I mean, it's it's very funny to say, oh, they lost this person, this person, this person. Ibuka like was a top 10 recruit. Julian Fleming was number three overall recruit. Marvin Harrison, I mean, I think the NFL would take him in the first round right now. So extremely talented at wide receiver, but I, I don't think that it's it's the same kind of ankle-breaking, difficult-to-bring-down kind of talent as it was last season. I think I think their drop rate is better. I think they're getting more first downs. I think they're a little bit more reliable as pass catchers. But some of the yards after catch stats, some of the missed tackles force stats seem seem significantly lower this year than last year. Steve, what do you see from this passing game? You know Ohio State's going to throw the ball and and try to throw the ball quite a bit. But I feel like Michigan's at secondary is a little bit more athletic. I think Ohio State's receivers are still extremely talented. So I say this relatively, but slightly more human, I suppose than a season ago I, I don't still probably the best passing attack in the country when the pocket's clean but what do you see from the secondary in this matchup knowing what you've seen from Michigan secondary this season and and having seen what you've seen from the Buckeyes pass game yeah I think it's quite a testament to their recruiting at the position when you know I don't think there's any way there's no way they're better at receiver than they were last year I mean both Olave and Wilson have walked into the NFL and been immediate big time contributors, right? I mean they're they're studs. And Smith and Jigba might have been better than both of them. I mean some of the numbers he put up last year were just like like I, I'd almost argue beyond video game. <laughs> like what he did against Utah in the Rose Bowl. Uh I don't care who you're playing against. Like those are just those are numbers that are like just mind blowing. But I'd still argue they probably have the best receiver room in the country right now, or it's definitely one of the two or three best. In terms of a top three pass catchers, it probably is number one. Yeah, maybe right? I mean, USC. USC is pretty darn good right sure. now. But just still. insane though to kind of like that's that's impressive. No matter how you cut it, I mean it's it's impressive. But yes, this unit does feel yeah a little more human is a great way to put it uh, because they they still are excellent. They can still make big plays, but. They do feel a little more stoppable than last year. I mean, because you're talking, I mean, pick your poison last year, like I said. And and really what was interesting is three totally different types of receivers, too. I think Michigan's defensive backfield can ha- can can succeed in this game for sure. And it's it's all relative. Again, they're gonna it, it is, they're gonna get theirs. Ohio State is gonna throw the ball. They're gonna move the ball down the field through the air. I mean, it's just it's it's a near certainty you know I'd be shocked if if Stroud doesn't end up having at least a it's decent game statistically but yeah I mean this this when we talk about Michigan uh tackling so well and especially in the defensive backfield you know I I do think yeah these guys feel a little more tackleable I guess Harrison's just his hand he's he's got the best hands in the country so just for context so people understand what we're talking about last year Ohio State's pass catchers collectively broke 68 tackles this year it's 28 now that's with two more games last season but you can still i mean the, the missed tackle forced rate yeah they're not putting the pro not. football focus is not it's not quite as unstoppable as it was last season right so the onus is on michigan to kind of maybe keep that trend going and uh you know by wrapping up and tackling so 
Yeah, like I said, if he gets time, he's he's gonna it's gonna be methodical. It's gonna be something Michigan fans have seen before, you know, and it's it it might not be very pretty, you know. But yeah, there there seems like there's more opportunities for Michigan to to slow the passing game down compared to to years. I mean, you think about over the years, just some of the different like a Paris like Ohio State does not have a Paris Campbell on their roster right now, right? They don't have a Ted Ginn. Um, they don't have a Curtis Samuel. You know, it, 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 it again, elite guys. Harrison, yeah, I totally agree. He'd be a pro right now if, if he was able, if he was eligible for sure. I mean, some of the catches he's made have been insane. Um, you know, he's in that no tier. drops either. I mean, yeah. it's just insane. No, no, he's in that tier with Olave and Wilson and, and Smith and Jigba for sure. I mean, he's right that he'd be right there with those guys, but but I don't know about Igbuka and Fleming in particular. Like those guys aren't at the same level as as those four guys are. So you know, just by sheer production and talent and just what we've seen alone, you know, Michigan better shot to at least limit, you know, to an extent, uh, what, what Ohio state can do through the air. All right. Let's run through some of these prop bets on that. CJ Stroud throws for 279.5 yards. This feels like an over, I mean, he threw for 394 last season. Um, and, and I think that, that will continue this year. It might not be quite as much. I, I don't know if I would take the over on a 350, but I, I think 280, I think he gets there. It just feels like it's a staple of Ohio State's offense, and really it's still something that they're extremely good at, even with all of our talk about last year's group being a little bit deeper, a little bit more explosive. This year's group's still really good. I'm taking the over on 280 or 279.5 passing yards for C.J. Stroud. How about you? Yeah, I took the over as well. Hard not to I'm not to bring this into the conversation, but provided the weather is throwable. Uh yeah, I don't see Ohio State under that number. I'd be that'd be I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't know if you agree or not. If 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 they're under that number, then I gotta think Michigan feels pretty good about their chances, right? I mean Probably. I mean and unless unless their running game goes wild, um, uh, you know, I, I just if they're under that number, I just have a hard time thinking Michigan's not maybe coming out of there with a win, honestly. As far as the weather, I see a high of 52 and 70% chance of rain, but I, I guess I don't know when or how heavy of a rain that will be. All right, next one. Ohio State's leading running back gains 99.5 rushing yards. If Henderson and Williams are out, I feel like this is an over. It might not be the most efficient, but I mean Hayden's capable of running for a hundred yards on Michigan with you know twenty to twenty-five carries. But so far this season, when they've had two guys available, it's been a little bit more by committee. I don't think that they've had a guy run for two hundred yards in a game or anything like that. So I'm kind of leaning the under. Man, I, I hate this <laughs> these running back ones. We just talked about it on the offensive side. It's just it's just tough to predict. Um which is a bummer, right? Because I'm sure these players spent all year prepping kind of for this game. And, and you know, if, if they might know, but for there to be uncertainty or, or to see both teams in a game this meaningful, talking about key players being injured, it's, it's a little bit of a bummer. So we'll see who's healthy on. Steve, Ohio State leading rusher, 99.5 rushing yards. Does anyone get to 100 yards on the Wolverines? Very good run defense. 
I think they've only allowed one 100-yard rusher all season. That was Chase Brown. They might have allowed someone else. I might double-check that. But still, does anyone get to 100 in this game for Ohio State? Uh, I don't think so. I, I I think that either one of their two guys will try to give it a try also, which may spread the ball a little bit. That's, that thin. was kind of my line. Right? No, that's, that's where it's difficult to really answer yeah. this one because, you know, you're, you're – by saying over your yeah, you're almost assuming that it's Hayden and only Hayden. So I'm going to say the under though. I'm just going to kind of make the safe bet and think that the one of or if one or both of those guys will at least same thing as Michigan will, will attempt to give it a go. All right, last one. Michigan defense allows 1.5 plays of 40 or more yards. Ohio State seems to get a few of these. I don't know what the numbers say. But it does feel like big plays are a staple of Ohio State's victories over Michigan over the past 20 years. Feels like that's a very common occurrence. And for good reason. I mean, they recruit really talented players, guys who are really fast, who can get... They have a quarterback who can throw over the top of the defense. I think I'm going to take the under. 40 is tough because I feel like 20 to 35-yard plays can happen consistently. 40... It does kind of have to be a fluke play, but I, I think Ohio State gets two of these plays. I, I don't know that that is the end of the world for Michigan, but I do think that their offense is that capable of of generating a big play. What do you think? Uh, Pretty much over for the exact same reason. I mean, I yeah, they're explosive enough. You know, that they've they're able to scheme a lot of busts. I mean, I remember... I think at Buka against Michigan State, I mean, I don't like, I literally, if you watch, go back and watch the play, I think he scored like a 70 yard touchdown. Uh, I don't think there was a defender within 30 yards of him. Um, just like, I know Michigan State, uh, terrible pass defense, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, I mean, they, you know, yeah, their combination of scheme and, and talent and, and athleticism on offense is, is, it's tough to slow them down for four quarters, you know, and so at home, with the motivation, I, yeah, I think they break a couple of big plays in this game, so I'm, I took the over. Your final thoughts on this matchup and your score prediction for Saturday? There's, I think the line's a little bit too big. I think Michigan's closer to Ohio State than the line suggests, even on the road. You know, this one, a lot more than last year, have gone back and forth. You know, I, I think uh, the core injury just really puts cast some doubt in, on this one, just for Michigan's ability to, to run the ball consistently. You think about how many – he's a, a fall forward kind of guy like Haskins was last year. You know, yeah, those those second and sixes turns in, turn into second and four, second and three. And I, I just – over a four-quarter, if he if he's not able to go all the way, you know, like I think Michigan's going to lose some of that over a four-quarter thing. On the road – I don't know. I, I think I'm picking Ohio State. I think I think just a little bit too much. I think it's a competitive game all the way through, though. And I, I you know, I actually I think Notre Dame's going to beat USC. By the way, but that's a whole different thing. But I, I I don't think this ends Michigan's playoff run, though. I think they still get in after this. I just think I think TCU is still going to fall. Uh, USC still has Notre Dame, and then I believe it'd be Oregon. If they go to the pack, if I think that's already set. most likely, yeah, there's a right. scenario where it could be Washington, but okay. Um, well, probably yeah, Oregon. Washington's playing good football now, too. But, um, I actually think Notre Dame knocks off USC. Notre Dame looks 
that's the other thing is like Nordane is not the same Nordane team that played Ohio State at the beginning of the year. I, that win looks good for Ohio State now, but I don't know if you've watched Nordane, they look totally different than they did. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go Ohio. I'm going Ohio State 34 to 31. I think they do just enough. And uh, I just haven't seen enough out of Michigan's passing game to think that they can sort of push and pull Ohio State's defense for four quarters and, and outscore them. Okay. One more key I didn't mention because it really isn't one side of the ball specific, although I did mention the 60 minutes not running out of gas. I am curious to see how Michigan does in this road atmosphere. Not, I don't think other than Brad Robbins and Ronnie Bell, I don't think that there's a player on Michigan's team that played in Columbus back in 2018, which is, is kind of, I mean, the pandemic was, is the main reason why, but yeah, it's been a while. And I think Michigan's veteran players will be okay. Cause they played at Ohio state or Penn state, excuse me. They played at Nebraska. They played at Wisconsin. They played at Michigan state last year, but I think the first year contributors might be in for a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I was a, a pretty decent home atmosphere, but I've been to both multiple times. Ohio State is a different level. Uh, that is something that I'll be watching on the offensive line. I think that is something that I'll be watching really from the entire offense and also the defense when when it can, can one bad feel like two or three. You know, how do you how do you make sure that the gravity of each mistake or up and down in the game doesn't become too big? I think Ryan Day had a great quote today. He said, you want to play with emotion, but you don't want the emotions to play you. And I think that's going to be something that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Ultimately, I, I think Michigan needed to be all hands on deck, perfect, full strength to pull off this upset in Columbus. And I don't think that I'm not getting the impression that they will be. If we find out, you know, I, I'm not going to do my official four keys and a pick until Friday. If we find out by then, that they will be, I might have to reassess things. But right now I've got Ohio State 35, Michigan 27. I think both teams have better defenses this year, but I think the the injuries on offense for Michigan are too significant. I mean, I would argue that losing Blake Corum would be like Ohio State losing C.J. Stroud in terms of game impact. One other Thing that we that sure. a name that hasn't been mentioned that I think we should we it'd be remiss to not mention him is, uh, you know, is Mike Morris ready to go too? I, I think you could argue yeah. last week we maybe he saw dressed why just Michigan, like Schoonmaker, right? Right, but, right. I mean, I think I again, I think Michigan felt like they could get by, and I know they barely did, but yeah, <laughs> uh, without pushing a couple of those guys. But I also think you know we may have learned how important he is for Michigan defensively. Yeah. Last week, you know, as as a, a guy that can get to the quarterback more consistently or draw enough attention to make it easier for other guys to get there. You know, I mean, does he has how many sacks does he have this year? I mean, he's he's up to either way. Yeah, he's near the top of the Big Ten. Yeah, he's been their most effective pass rusher as far as getting to the getting home and getting to the quarterback. So, you know, yeah, I'd be totally remiss to not mention um, his potential and and possibly likely return. As, as being a potential key in this game for Michigan, too. Yeah, I can I can agree with that. That's a significant one. All right, so you have 34-31. I have 35-27. But I think we both predicted Ohio State to win last season, and, and we were wrong. So that just 
I guess we'll see. That's why they play the games. And and one thing that's just very that isn't lost on me is that that both of these teams are very much in the national title picture. Um, this is this is not just a showcase of good teams that hate each other. I mean, this is a true maybe national game of the year. I was telling people, I, I think more than 15 million people will watch this game. I mean, that's more than the World Series. That's more than the Final Four. That's more than the NBA Finals. It's more than the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, this is going to be about as big as of a regular season game as you'll see in any sport ever. So very cool. Very excited to be down there. Very excited to keep covering it over to MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. Lots of lots of stories from all of us as as we cover the biggest game for the Wolverines this season. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you after the game. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.